Welcome to Account Trends, everybody. I'm Jason Stein with Intuit Accountants. My co-host, David Bergstein, and I are excited to be with you every couple of weeks to share the latest news, interesting perspectives, and hottest trends in the tax and accounting world. We'll have special guests on the show to help break these trends down and give you food for thought as you find new ways to deliver for your clients. But most importantly, we plan on having some fun while doing it. Welcome. Welcome back to Account Trends, everybody. Your host here, Jason Stein. Thanks for tuning in. As with me as always, Mr. David Bergstein, CPA, CITP, and Alphabet Soup. How are you today, Mr. Bergstein? I'm doing great today. I'm really thriving today. So we'll uh, find out why I'm thriving in a little while. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, we have, as we always say, a very special guest, (laughs) Mr. Jason Bloomer with us today. Hello, Jason. Welcome to the show. Hey, hey, you say special guest to everybody, man, that <laughs> is got, not cool. I know we got called out. Who called us out? It was Dominique Molina. I think it was. She was like, I've listened to your podcast and you say that every time, Dave. Every See? She actually called out David. Okay. <laughs> and now <laughs> I know I'm not that special. <laughs> I know. And it's like, well, how do we make you feel special? Um, so, uh, but I, I am very excited um, about our topic today, Jason. So uh, really appreciate you joining. Yeah. So. So first off, let's let everybody know, for those that don't already know who you are, uh, because you're a pretty popular guy as it is, uh, tell us a little bit about you and what you do. Yeah. So I'll keep it short. So been in the public profession for almost 30 years, just about 30 years. Been My dad started our firm 25 years ago. I've been leading it for 20. My dad's since retired, I don't know, many years ago. Um, And so- Lead a lead a firm, an advisory firm, very focused uh, on a niche. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's we as we say in the South, right? A niche um, in the digital agency marketing space in our firm, and then a lot of people may know me through Thrival, which maybe that's why David's thriving because of Thrival. We've had that for eleven years, so that's an education uh, membership community. Uh, that we've been leading for a long time. We run conferences, program, growth programs, a uh, lot of stuff. Brilliant. So you've got your your firm that you've built around advisory services and niche uh, focused, and then you help other firms do the same. Yes, that's right. Yeah, Perfect. we do. We do a lot of firm consulting, and so a lot of positioning work, niche. Uh, team restructure, you know, a lot of reorganization, those kind of things. Yeah. So, so, so since you said that word niche a couple of times, and I may pronounce it differently, uh, <laughs> we'll ask that my, my uh, good question that I like. Jason lets me ask one question each time. He gets one, that's uh, it. Just know, one. So, so my question <laughs> is, uh, if I want to form a niche uh, for an accounting firm, and let's say I like drinking beer, yeah, and I know something about drinking beer, should that be my niche? How do you go about that? Yeah, well, that's actually that's actually a good question. And of course, uh, being good at drinking beer doesn't mean you're good at <laughs> serving uh, the industry, actually, that runs a complex business of running a brewery. So those are not the same thing. So probably best not to choose your niche around liking to drink beer or any other thing you may or may not enjoy. So niching is a very mature 
strategy uh, that we teach people. Uh, and it's something you actually, anyway, there's there's a lot to niching, but it, it's not necessarily something you dive into early in your career necessarily. Some people may disagree with that advice, uh, but if you're starting a firm in the first year or something, your goal is to get a lot of cash coming in. Uh, niching is something you narrow to over time. And there's a lot of reasons why I know Jason and David will get into, but there's a lot of reasons why you may need to be very careful about niching and what it means. Um, so no, just because you like beer doesn't mean you necessarily should niche in breweries. Or wine, right? Or wine. Okay, and, I'll, and, I'll, I'll think of something else somewhere, somewhere along the line as to what to do. But niching, and I'll let Jason take it from here, is a very popular trend right now. Every time I listen to an AICPA broadcast, they talk about the way to grow your client accounting practice. Uh, but you hit it on the head. Don't start off that way, but eventually go that way. I'll turn it over to Jason. And mm-hmm. he's got a couple of good questions. Yeah. Well, and, and first, let's get the elephant in the room, right, around this word before <laughs> we get deep into the topic. Jason, is it niche or niche? <laughs> well, <laughs> depends on if you're a Yankee or a redneck, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> or no, I don't know. No, so people up north, right? David, you say niche. So that's common in the south. Of course, I'm going to say niche, right? That sounds like a southern way to say it. I'm sure everybody's butchering the word. So I don't know that there's a right way to do it, but I don't think you can get me out of the habit of saying niche. Well, very good. There you so go. Our listeners will 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 just have to adjust then. <laughs> That's right. Just say there, niche in your head every time I say niche. I'll say niche. You say niche. Whatever. There you go. Um, but I've I've heard some people you know have some very strong opinions. It's niche, not niche. Um, but it sounds like it just doesn't really matter. Yeah. I don't think so, so, but I think what's important is mm-hmm. why. Why is everyone talking about it? Right. Yeah. Why is it coming up in all these? I, I know I t- I recommend it to a lot of people. Yeah. It's it's important. Uh, so tell us about like let's ground on that, and then we'll get into some of the how stuff. Yeah, well, it's it's part of a, a broader marketing move called positioning. It's kind of a subset of that. Positioning is when a business decides to take a stand, so to speak, which is they position themselves in a place in a market, and that's when they've decided to say, "All right, this is where I'm standing. I'm going to claim expertise here." And I'm going to claim it to this group of people. And because of that, it's what we get out of uh, establishing a niche or positioning ourselves in that way. It's what we get out of it is why we do it, which is we get to claim some level of expertise. And there's an assumption in a market that your value is higher. And so with higher value comes higher prices. So we're established in our niche. So we get to charge much more money. That's that's what we get. That's what we get. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of steps along the way there. But I think the main thing you're wanting to do is to be able to claim some level of expertise in what you do. Um, and with that comes high value and higher prices. And it's good for the clients, too, right? It It is. Yeah. If um, if there is a client specifically that um, really can't go anywhere else, if they can't go to a generalist for their complex issue. If they're forced, so to speak, to go to an expert, uh, what happens is they start to not have as many choices, right? Because there's not as many experts. So people who niche 
get to claim expertise. And there's not tons of experts, right? Because mostly our profession is more generalist, which is not, I'm not saying is necessarily wrong. Um, it, it can just be the result of not niching. If you just don't niche for 30 years, you just remain generalist. And everybody knows you can still run a successful firm doing that. But if you niche, a client gets to say, all right, there is a place I must go to solve my complex problem. And it happens to be the expert that's focused very narrowly into my industry. Yeah. And especially from an advisory perspective, right? Our, our research has shown totally. that- Firms that niche, niche, whatever you say, uh, are are generally more successful than generalist firms in the advisory space. That's right. That's that's a great and way. It's because you're you're regularly building your expertise right. in that that target area. That's um, right. Which and, means you get to advise. You get to and and right. as we tell our team, we're a, we're an advisory firm, so that means we have opinions, and so we get to state uh, instead of being just compliance generated, we get to actually offer opinions. And we should readily do that as an advisory firm. We should say, we would suggest you don't do that as an expert firm, you know, and that that's more of a value to a client. Hopefully the right client can value the ability of an expert to give an opinion rather than just stating a compliance code to them, which is also valuable, but a lot of people are able to do that. And a lot of clients want that. And, right. and the firms don't think to offer it. And, and so this just naturally very, very well lends itself, you know, to, to opening up that conversation. And, For the sure. more you, and the more you niche, you're really saying the more you specialize and the more you specialize, the broader your reach as an accounting firm, because you're no longer local because you become the expert and everyone looks to seek you out. Well, that's and that's the case. If you really if you're going to niche and go deeply into an industry that you choose to serve and become an expert, zip code really doesn't matter anymore. You really, um, you know, you'll you know, often an expert will travel. We we like to ask, you know, questions like if, if you feel you're embedded in an industry as an expert, do you often have to travel somewhere to deliver your service or will clients travel to you? And um, that that is a that's a sign that people that client has to have what you offer. And it doesn't matter if travel's part of it. They have to have it. They'll either come to you or you have to go to them. Now, that's not that's not always the case, but that can be a sign of someone becoming an expert in an industry, among many other signs. Right. Well, and then plus we have the the one of the the silver linings to the last several years is everyone in the world has learned how to work more effectively remotely. So right. hopefully that, that helps ease that burden, but yeah. you're getting, you're getting into exactly the, the things that we should, we should start diving in around this, which is like, so, okay. When, when is the right time for a firm to do this? Is it yeah. right out of the gate or is it, you know, yeah, way far down the line? And how, how do you advise people to think about? Yeah. No, that's a great question. A lot of times we like to say you can't niche, niche too deeply, but you can niche too quickly. Um, and so if if niching is a mature marketing move, uh, then you want to do it methodically because uh, really it's a risk. Uh, niching is a risk. You're basically saying, I'm going to decide to say no to almost everybody. And I'm only going to say yes to a narrow 
layer of a client, you know, industry, a client base. And that narrowness is, um, can be dangerous. You can actually do it wrong. Uh, like for example, I'll give you a story. We were, we were starting to niche more and more in creative digital design agencies, uh, more and more. And I thought, well, I got to go all in, right? So fired everybody that wasn't in the niche. <laughs> well, that happens to affect your cash flow as well. <laughs> and so it's like, oh, that. yeah, it's a little bit. So that was kind of my early niching, you know, you know, ignorance. I didn't, I didn't know. So, so what you're going to do is uh, slowly narrow into an industry over time. You can go really as deep as you want. And so as you do that, you're kind of, you're attritioning out uh, generalist, non-niche related clients over time, if you want. Um, though a lot of people make, a lot of firm owners may also make the mistake that if you niche, you, you know, internally, you can only have that that client base as, um, you know, in your client base. And that's not necessarily true. Sometimes you'll niche, you'll find people maybe 50, 60, 70% niched where then they have other generalist type clients. And that, that that's fine too. Uh, niching has a lot to do with putting it on your website. When you're ready to do that, when you're really ready to take a stand as an expert and position yourself to that market, the next step is to be more formal about it and put it on your website and start marketing in a way that says out loud, I am the expert, come to me for this service. Right. And, and um, I, I love that some points that you're hitting on too, because I think some people have the misconception that they need to pick one industry and that only industry is the only focus area for them. And I, I tell people regular that that's no, that's dangerous. Don't, don't pick one place and put all your energy in only in that one place. It's really about how you position yourself and defining yeah. your ideal customer. Yeah. So you can have multiple niches. <laughs> Uh, that are similar industries. Yeah. Um, but it would actually be ill-advised to focus on just one. Yeah. Well, and and the larger a firm gets, uh, the you know, the bigger the team, the more salaries you need, the more revenue you got to pump into the firm. It just makes more sense to broaden your niche or choose another one. Um, and just, just because the team, the, the firm, if it gets large enough, it just needs uh, more revenue to support it. So you you can go to, large firms, you know, those top 100 or whatever, and you can look at the industries they serve and they may have 20 or 30 on there. It's because, you know, they can't have a firm of 800 people and actually focus on one industry. Typically, it won't support that large of a firm. So you have to expand and get broader. Even in our firm, we have, you know, we will go between 12 to 15 team members and even our niche sometimes it gets tight for us. <laughs> You've got to pipe a lot of clients into that to to feed that firm and to care for that team. Do you have a written business plan where you uh, laid out your steps to grow your, your niches? I no way did I do that. That would have been too that would have been too easy, right? For me to do that. <laughs> of course I did it the hard way, David. Um I didn't have you consulting with me at the time. <laughs> I was choosing my niche. So so I half asked my way into it. Maybe I tripped and stumbled into a niche, which is how a lot of people do it. Um so but yeah, you probably should be more formal about it. You should start to, you know, assess your client base and maybe is there a group of three to five clients that we enjoy working with that generally have a client that, you know, uh, 
is collaborative with us and our team enjoys? And is that somebody we can lean into starting to uh, intentionally add to our client base with that particular industry? So it's slow at first. It's like, hey, if we've got six of these and they kind of keep referring each other, which is a lot of times what happens, a niche often will find you uh, in your client base. You can look at your client base and go, we've got about five or six of these. It's because somebody kind of started referring each other in and they refer the people they hang out with in their industry. And so you find yourself with a group of people, but then intentionally, you have to make it intentional. Like you say, David, it needs to be part of a business plan, which it never was for us. (laughs) We just kind of went into it, but, um, that's organic growth. That's the way to be. Uh, yeah, you yeah. fell into it, and uh, you, you saw the light, and you did it. Yeah, just kept just kept going into it. So, so a lot of people accidentally kind of stumble into it. Then you start to have to get more purposeful if you actually want it to really produce uh, the profits that expert type focuses can. Right. It's not like flipping a switch. And, and you're answering exactly one of the questions I wanted to ask, which is, you know, how how do people go about finding? the niche that they should focus on, you know, like David's question in the beginning, I like beer. Should I focus on that? (laughs) Well, you know, it's there, it, it probably should be something enjoyable, something, you know, how to do it. You know, it could start with, I like beer, you know, that, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that that will be able to be your niche. Um, you know, but it 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 does need to have be somewhat enjoyable. What we found is we got two or three designer type creative clients, and we're like, hey, they kind of work the way we work. Uh, we tell them we'll never deliver you know a tax return you know to you uh, in paper. It'll always be a PDF, and they just jump for joy, right? They're like, thank God somebody's not going to give me paper. Well, this was you know probably twelve years ago, and so we're like, hey, we like to work in that way. So we just find a lot of camaraderie. They like to receive service in the same way we like to give it. And so that starts to make us comfortable with that industry. We're we're kind of easygoing and fun. That's kind of the culture of our firm. Those industries, creative design agencies are like that. You know, they they're they want their accountant to be more easygoing than buttoned up, which, you know, so just a lot of things really, you know, demographically matched up with that industry. And once you find that, you just start leaning into it. Then you start doing it on purpose that point. And that's when you bring the formality to it, right? Right. And and that goes back to the point about, you know, it's not a flip of the switch. It's not a, oh, I'm going to decide to niche. So let me write down an, a whole business plan around a niche that I don't even really know if that's where I want to focus. Right. You yeah. take it one step at a time. And then there comes yeah. a point where it becomes apparent that you yeah. can create that intentional, purposeful strategy. Around. Yeah. And, but people don't necessarily know that we, we may, we may in our thrival programs, we may have people that have been running a firm for a year or they're, they're just kicking off their firm on the side while working for, you know, as a CFO somewhere or something. And they hear this messaging of to niche. And we're like, well, you're, you're probably not ready. Actually, your goal is to run a firm, produce cash flow to replace your salary so you can quit. That is your goal in that first year or two. And you can, you know, typically do that pretty quickly when you start moving. A niche will slow that process down because it will narrow you. It will make you not take a whole bunch of clients. And it's a risk. It's a risk move. But, you know, anybody in entrepreneurship knows that taking risks is what produces profit. That's, That's how... 
you have to take risks if you're an entrepreneur. But the first risk you're trying to take if you're starting a firm is to, you know, quit your other job and go full in. Because when you're full into a firm, that's when you can really grow it. So your first goal is to cash flow your salary, not not niche. Fantastic advice. And at the same time, as you're starting to do all this, you really have to educate yourself on that niche you're going to go into so that you truly can become the expert over a period of time. And the more clients you get, yeah. the more skill and the more knowledge and the more efficiency you bring back to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's exactly right. You have to, you know, sometimes we say you can fake it till you make it. Sometimes in a niche, you can you can start to pretend your way towards a niche for a little while. You eventually have to actually learn how to how to really focus on that industry's particular issues. Be able to you have to be able to speak their language. They that if you're niching and you're saying you're an expert, you have to speak their language. You have to say things that they recognize, uh, and they go, "Oh, you do know how this works." Or you have to commonly start to talk to them the way it's like. We know you have these two problems. Can you walk us through those? And they're like, "Oh." you know, our problems. It's like, yeah, all of you people have the same problem, <laughs> right? That, and, and basically what that, that's a statement of, we've seen so many of you that we see the patterns and the patterns are what make us experts, right? Like, for example, I'll give you an example. Clients come to us and they, you know, digital agencies, they struggle to grow and to scale just like accounting firms do. So the first thing I do is I go to their team page. I go to their website and look at their team. I know where they've placed the team members' pictures, the titles of those team members, how many people are on the page. I basically know the revenue size. And by the mislabeling of some of the the titles of the team, or if there is a leadership team, or if they've set it off and designated it separately on the team page, I start to get a sense for, Okay, their 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 team's probably not structured in a way that's allowing them to scale. We can we can identify things just by looking at that page, um, but you have to have looked at a lot of team pages and gone into a lot of companies and seen a lot of mislabeled and wrong leadership teams to be able to know how to do that. But that that pattern is a very simple way to be an expert. It's like I've seen fifty of you. I can tell the anomaly as to why it's wrong. That's why we're experts. And so you have to pay us a lot of money to consult with us as the result, basically. Well, and you get so much more value out of that relationship. I mean, I can't imagine a, a yeah. client, you know, not being delighted by that. Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about, um, you know, how should you market your niche? Wow. There's a million ways to do that. Um, <laughs> um, so we, you know, some of some of the common ways to market uh, an industry you have decided to go narrow into is through podcasting. We've had a podcast for almost 12 years for our industry. It's for our industry. Now, we have a podcast that we've had for 11 years for the accounting profession called the Thrivecast. Um, so we have two. So we've created our own podcast. Now, podcasting is a lot of work. A lot of people switch into podcasting. Jason, you know that. But of course, Jason, you have a team behind you <laughs> that nobody sees that I saw. There's a bunch of people kind of uh, that that help run this this whole this whole show, which is kind of a big deal. So podcasting takes a lot of work. Um, but, you know, speaking at the conferences of the industries that you want to target in. 
uh, is a specific way to do it. Uh, and then you start writing, you know, things and blogs that um, speak to very specific of the issues you know that industry is having and they generally have. So you you intentionally write uh, the way you want. And that's 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 one change. When you start niching, you have to do things that the niche wants you to do. So you don't necessarily get to go write about tax code. You only write about what would attract the industry to you. And if they don't give a crap about tax code, you need to stop writing about that. You need to write about mm-hmm. the thing that will attract them, which is what marketing is. Marketing is not writing what you enjoy writing. It's writing what will uh, allow your company to grow and attract different parts of your industry. It's a very specific reason as to why you market. It's not just putting it on your website, right? It, it, it's about putting yourself out there as an expert in the space and speaking to those prospective clients. Yeah. And then making sure you're working with your web guy to, to you know, or yeah. girl uh, for for SEO in that That's area. Right. right. Yeah. And make sure yeah. that the team's aligned on, here's the client that the <laughs> ideal client we want to go after. It's not the only client, but it's the ideal. And, yeah. you know, let's go produce content that makes sense to them and demonstrates our expertise so that- That's right. By the time you get a phone call, they already know you're an expert. That's right. Yeah. And so you can do things like not just write blogs, but you can move even deeper to write books, write ebooks. And so on the Blummer website, blummercpas.com and thrival.com, you can find ebooks and they're 60 page ebooks. So they're not fluffy, right? They're really, really solid, deep, heavy material. And of course, that's that's part of a, a next step towards uh, marketing is uh, ebooks and the design of those, and and there's a ton of other things you can do. But those are some ideas. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, I wish we could spend more time on this topic with you, and maybe we'll we'll uh, get you back on the show. We'll go deeper in the space. But I think you've yeah. given some really great food for thought. So, um, so the 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 last question I'll ask you, Jason. I think you you touched on it. If people want to get connected with Jason Bloomer, the expert on this space, and yeah. learn from your experiences and learn from your coaching, where yeah. would they go? Yeah. So thrival.com is the work we do for the profession. We're committed to helping this profession grow. And thrival is not spelled the way <laughs> probably you would think. Because, hey, the URL that was available was the only one available, you know, 15 years ago. So <laughs> it's the word Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E, and then A-L.com. So it's Thrival, ThriveAL.com. And you can get the free ebook there. It just puts you on our email list. Um, but, yeah, you can get a free ebook there under resources. Brilliant. And that's a great way to get started and keep, nice. keep going on the learning journey. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, go check out Thrival dot com uh and keep in touch with jason and uh keep learning from him jason can't thank you enough for being on the show today thanks for being here cool thanks jason david i appreciate y'all having me as always great to have you as well david uh and thanks everybody for listening we'll catch up more on our next episode thanks for listening please follow us on apple podcasts or spotify If you like what you heard, please leave us a five-star review. If you want to learn more about any of the topics discussed on the show, visit intuitaccountants.com forward slash podcast. Account Trends is produced and edited by Luke Johnston. Copyright Intuit 2022.